This Mother's Day, celebrate the extraordinary women in your life with a heartfelt gift from Blue Nile. Whether it's for your mom, a mother figure, or yourself as a mom, find that perfect piece to express your love and appreciation. Explore Blue Nile's exquisite pearls and mesmerizing gemstones that she's sure to love. Enjoy fast shipping options like guaranteed free shipping and returns. Make this Mother's Day unforgettable with a piece from Blue Nile. Right now, get up to 50% off at BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Is hair a material? Are biscuits a material? Are crystals a material? Is plastic a material? Is porridge a material? Can gases be a material? Are eggs a material? Is water a material? What do you call everything that isn't a material? <laughs> Sorry, I didn't mean to laugh at you. And yet you continue to do so. <laughs> Hello and welcome back to Handmade, the making podcast with real talk about materials. As always, I'm your host Anna Pajajski and this episode actually has a bit of a different format from the others. As you've heard in the introduction to every episode on this podcast, I often get asked materials questions by friends. Um, Admittedly, most of the time my friends are trolling me about whether like clouds and materials or something. But sometimes in amongst those trollings um, come genuine materials queries. For example, last week um, I got tweeted by my good friend, the gorgeous science nerd Oz Ismail. Oz said, ugh, silicone moulds are such a lie. My cake stuck to one after promises of not doing so. Paging material scientist Anna Pajajski to explain yourself, even though you've probably never made any such promises on silicone's behalf. Naturally, I asked Oz for a bit more information. Okay, so I used, uh, here's what happened when I used a silicone mould. So the one I purchased uh, (laughs) had promises of... um, Well, it promised so much. Basically, the description says, uh, made of flexible silicone, BPA-free. I actually don't know what BPA is, but I do know that Americans are obsessed with whether there's BPA in their products (laughs) because I see it in a lot of things. And um, cake molds are completely safe to use, uh, but the promise that I was obsessed with was these silicone baking molds ensure that your cakes come out clean every single time and in one piece. Now, was that what happened? First of all, I feel like I should also say that these are not just any silicone moulds, they are jumbo donut cake pans (laughs) because I was making a birthday cake for a friend of mine who's kind of obsessed with donuts and also because donuts are kind of a big deal in Portland. Uh, so for these molds, I tried to make a donut cake last night and it was all fine until I tried to get the cake out because I thought, oh, this is great. I can just like flip it and 
the cake is just going to come out because that's kind of what the product said. But what ended up happening was the beginning, like the widest part of the cake came out. But as you went into like the indent, so it's kind of like, imagine like a, a donut cut in half, right? So it's two molds and you're meant to join the two halves to make this one whole donut cake. And sort of the curvy part stuck to the bottom and I actually had greased it even though I thought I probably don't need to grease it because it's very like slippery and shiny but it still got stuck and so one one half of the donut completely fell apart um, and I had to kind of mold it with my hands I just kind of push the cake back into like this donut shape but it's lucky that it comes in two parts because I was like, well, I can make that the base. And so the other part, I kind of very gently like stuck a knife into it. And I guess this is where it was handy that it was silicone because it kind of just like bent or like moved away as, as I was pushing the knife in because it was flexible. Still got really stuck, but kind of came out without breaking. But then like the cake did almost break in half. But that might just be... <laughs> the structure of the cake I made, I don't know. But I suppose I was just really excited because I I uh, had heard all these uh, amazing promises that silicone <laughs> uh, kitchenware had made. Um, and I say promises, it's just me just reading <laughs> the information on products, which is which are obviously written to like make you buy them. <laughs> so... I fell for it. I'm uh, a huge idiot falling for these promises. Uh, or maybe there is something I'm doing wrong and not using these silicone molds that are probably perfect for use. Um, so yeah, tell me what I'm doing wrong. Tell me what it's all about. Tell me why silicone is good and why it's bad. Before we delve into these extremely important materials questions, I wanted to lay down some facts about silicone. So what we're talking about here is silicone rubber, which is a sort of waterproof, stretchy, rubbery synthetic polymer used for stuff like grouting and um, adhesives and also lots of baking and cookware. Silicone does contain silicone, but they are not to be confused. Um, silicon on its own is like a hard, grey, shiny semiconductor material that we use in like computers and phones and electronics and stuff and solar cells. De please don't be that guy that calls silicone silicon. That's a materials public service announcement for everyone. Oz asked me why silicone is good and why silicone is bad. I mean, you know, talk about loaded questions for a material scientist. Um, but here, here's my list of good things about silicone. Um, it's cheap. It's very rubbery and flexible, so it can easily release the bakes inside, or so it claims. Um, it's waterproof and chemically resistant, so it's not going to cause nasty reactions with your food. Um, it's completely food safe, um, and it can be recycled, but that brings me on to some of the bad things about silicone, which is that although it can technically be recycled, um, apparently lots of curbside 
recycling pickups won't actually accept and um, and process that silicone um, so it does actually often end up in landfill and secondly as Oz found it is extremely flexible but that means that it can also cause damage to the cooked cake when that mold flexes too much when the cake um, is in itself very flexible and so that can cause cracking as it comes out of the oven. Now obviously these moulds are sold for a very wide variety of baking applications um, but clearly they're not up to the job for some of the ways that people are using these silicone moulds. And not everyone agrees with us that silicone moulds are, quote, such a lie. For example, astrophysicist and science writer Alfredo Carpinetti dived in in defence of silicone moulds on Twitter for some types of baking, such as donuts. But he said that he had had problems with silicone for his panna cotta. This, to me, called for a virtual bake-off. So here were Alfredo's results. All right. So I've done some lovely matcha panna cotta in some silicone moulds because my uh, glass ramekins were a little bit too big to uh, just uh, uh, make the panna cotta in. And I had this... Uh, cupcake molds uh, that I thought uh, of using and I follow the standard instruction for when you make uh, panna cotta you grease the your little mold and then when you're ready uh, to uh, remove the panna cotta and I'm doing it uh, right this moment you put uh, the bottom of the mold in a little bit of hot water you take a knife or something um, to sort of loosen uh, uh, the edges and then you just turn it upside down and pop. My mom has uh, some copper molds that work fantastic. They have awesome design and looks great. And I thought, oh, it's going to be amazing uh, uh, in the same way. Uh, but instead, uh, is uh, really, 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 really not the case for the silicone mold. I can still, like, they are well greased, uh, but uh, they don't, uh, uh, things just don't come out properly. Don't know why. This is Alfredo again, and I have uh, another test for silicone molds, something that has never disappointed me so far. And it could be that uh, I am a bias, but uh, I feel very good about this. And is some... Um, silicone molds for um, donuts and done the same thing as I've done for the panna cotta. I've greased the mold uh, and I will just now pop the first two donuts onto a plate and they came out perfectly, perfectly with no residue on the uh, actual mold. So why there is such difference? Is it the molds? Is it the consistency of uh, the what I put in? Type of cake, probably donuts are thicker than the panna cotta, etc. Why? Why, Anna? Explain it to me. Some more great questions, Alfredo. Now, at this point, I did have my suspicions as to the material answers to these sorry bakers. But for an expert opinion, I decided it was time to call in everyone's favourite star baker, Andrew Smith, to set the record straight. 
Oh, Anna, Anna, Anna. So this is a bit of a three-parter. Um, part one, why silicon in the first place? So the first thing to say, any professional chef that I know for cakes, anything like that uses metal. It's a better conductor. It's able to cook things quicker. I've never got on with silicon for cooking anything. So I'm, I'm metal through and through. Um, but there are some arguments for using silicon. So um, there was a very successful baker, Bryony, on Bake Off from a few years ago. And I noticed that she used silicon moulds for her larger cakes and it went very well for her. And actually, the fact that it's an insulator can be useful in baking a larger cake because you're less likely to get a thick crust forming on the outside um, if, if it's not getting to as high a temperature and caramelizing the edges as a metal tin is. So I can see an argument. If you want to insulate around the outside and you're cooking a large cake at a low temperature, silicon could be a way to go. So that's kind of first thing to say. Second thing is our problem with silicon because it wobbles when you lift it out of the oven, inevitably, especially if you're doing something like a ring mold, like uh, Aussie, then it's going to bend, it's going to crumble. So you're trying to manoeuvre this whilst it's still warm and a metal tin is going to hold everything in place until it's stabilised and set. Likelihood is, as you're lifting something out of an oven in a silicon mould, unless it's sat on another tray, um, things are going to start dislodging and breaking apart. And also when it comes to uh, turning it out and inverting it, you're likely to be pulling it apart in different places if you don't light it properly. So that's why people get into a, a world of pain when it comes to silicon moulds. But wait, there is a solution for using a silicon mould, uh, which is going to be the subject of my third message. So how do you stop uh, silicon mould from sticking to your cake? Well, there is an ingenious solution uh, that a previous winner of Bake Off called Nancy Bertwistle came up with. And she came up with this very clever lining paste that is vegetable fat and flour based. And you can keep this thing in a jar in the fridge. You paint it onto the outside of your mould. And um, it works for metal tins as well. You bake something and they just pop straight out. It is miraculous. I've tried it before. It works a charm in metal tins. Um, that's definitely the way to go. You know, greasing with butter and things tends to fail because people don't either put on enough of it um, or it's it's too soft and hasn't firmed up. Therefore, when you pour your cake mixture in, it just rubs off the butter layer. So that seems to be the key. So in summary, one, um, use metal if you've got it. But if you're doing a very large cake, there is an argument for silicon. Two, if you're using silicon, put it on another tray so when you lift it out of the oven, when it's still setting, you don't uh, distort it and uh, pre-break it apart, basically. Uh, and thirdly, if you are going to use silicon, make sure you use a lining paste or something else uh, suitable. And uh, here endeth the lesson. Too long didn't read version. If you're going to buy a tin, please buy anodized aluminium. It will be worth your money and it'll get better with age. Unlike silicon, which is rubbish. And unlike some non-stick tins, which get worse and scratched with age. Um, yeah. Anyway, this post was sponsored by aluminium tins. Thanks for that, Andrew. Uh, just to be clear, this podcast endorses all materials equally. So what should you at home be taking away from this virtual bake-off? Well, I think from a materials perspective, the key to a successful use of a silicone mould is comparing the materials properties of your favoured bake with the silicone mould. 
So let's take an extreme example. You can get silicone ice cube molds, which work perfect because the ice is so hard and it's so rigid that the silicone mold is that much softer. And so it's really easy to pop out the ice cubes by just inverting the silicone holders. If you look at slightly softer substances like donuts, silicone is it can maintain its effectiveness as a mold material because the donut is a very dense and doughy substance and so it, it's able to like mechanically hold its own when getting turned out of the silicone molds. If we think about Oz's cake it's very light and fluffy texture actually made it susceptible to breaking when the silicone mold flexed because in this example the silicone becomes sort of slightly harder and more kind of robust than the cake itself and so it was the cake that ended up breaking. And the extreme softness version of this would be Alfredo's panna cottas, whose materials properties are much, much softer than a silicone mould and much more kind of flexible um, and jelly-like. And so the harder and more robust and sort of denser your your bake is going to be after it comes out of the mould, the more likely it is to have success in a silicone mould. That's all for this short episode this week. Thanks for listening. Um, don't forget to rate and review us on Apple Podcasts. That really, really helps. Um, if you want to give a one-time financial donation, you can do so at supporter.acast.com forward slash handmade. Say hi to us online. This whole episode came from a materials debate online. So let me know if you have any other materials questions and materials quandaries that you would like answered. On Twitter, we're at Realtalk, that's R-I-A-L Talk. And on Instagram, we're at Handmade Pod. As always, thanks very much to Dave Shepard for our cover art and to Alex Lathbridge for the music mix. That's everything for this week. I'm not sure what I'll be bringing out um, next week, but do get in touch if you want any materials investigations to occur between now and then. Until then, thanks for listening. I've been Anna Podjaiski, and I'll see you next time on Handmade. Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear, and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade.